You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free. Just subscribe to Locked On Kentucky on Apple or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Dan Reefer in Lexington uh, with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Also in Lexington, by the way. Um... Last night, uh, or the pod, previous podcast, we teased that we would uh, discuss Walter McCarty. Some more stuff had come out about that, uh, the recently fired Evansville coach. Uh, and we will get into that. He has uh, had an attorney release a letter on his behalf. Uh, also, um, we were going to talk about UK football. There is some UK football news to get to. We'll definitely do that. But first, let's begin with college basketball and uh, a historic night. Uh, in terms of, of how bad of a loss that Memphis um, <laughs> just took at Tulsa, and Memphis loses eighty to forty. Yeah, it's really bad. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you get doubled up, but not only doubled up, a forty point loss. And according they were to outscored the- forty to seventeen in the first half, forty to seventeen at halftime. Ugh. That's like uh, that was like that a couple years ago the Kentucky Vanderbilt game where down in Nashville oh, where Kentucky God. was up like forty to six or something like that yeah uh, or the Kentucky when the twenty fifteen juggernaut Kentucky team it was like a thirty point lead at halftime on UCLA it was like an all like an NCAA record fewest points scored in yeah. half. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's but this is a ranked Memphis team, uh, obviously missing some pieces. But a ranked Memphis team against an unranked Tulsa, I think that like Tulsa was like an eight loss team, uh, not some great team that beat them. Uh, and it, somebody on Twitter did the research and said it was uh, I saw Gary Parish retweet it that it was the worst loss by a ranked team to an unranked team in twenty seven years in Good terms grief. of lopsided margin. Um, things aren't going great for Penny. Between no. the uh, NCAA stuff and Wiseman quitting on the team, and I think they've had a couple guys banged up, and um, this is probably not what Penny Hardaway envisioned. What was supposed to be sort of this is the 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 year that makes them. the number one recruiting class and all that. Yeah, and know? I mean the problem is, you know, all his eggs were in this year's basket because these were all the guys he had these deep connections to on the AAU circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he needed he needed to get them. I mean, these were this was a group that like no other first year coach at Memphis would ever and ever have been able to sign. I mean, not right. even John Calipari. John Calipari didn't just come in and start signing number one classes at Memphis, even though he'd had success at UMass, been to a Final Four, and been in the NBA. He didn't come in and just start just get the number one player right away. Um, there's not any other coach in America in any other situation where a guy comes in who has no college coaching experience at all, not an assistant, not a head coach, no college experience, comes in and gets the number one recruiting class and the number one overall player. There's no other situation that exists where that could happen except this one year in this one place with this one guy because he had coached these guys in AAU and in high school. And so he had to get them and play well with them, 
go to the Final Four with him and prove he could do it so that then he could get more recruits. Um, and now, you know, now what happens? Because yeah, it's not as easy as John Calipari makes it look, is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's not that and, and running into trouble. I mean, you know, you obviously had to do some uh, underhanded things to get those guys, and you've, you're basically caught. Um, you know, and so then you go, okay, well, you know, are they going to even – are they going to be able to recruit beyond the guys that this guy coached in high school? And so far the answer to that is, I mean, they're, they're in on – they're in on recruits, you know, they're still in on some top guys and they're in the conversation, they're getting visits and things like that. Memphis has zero players in the class of 2020. Yeah. Zero committed players. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Future's <laughs> like, not bright. <laughs> you know, like what, now what? They have no players committed and think about how many of the top players are, have already made their choice. Right. Um, I don't know. That, that it was this whole, is Memphis going to be the thorn in Kentucky's side? I no. mean, it was, it was for this year because – it was for this year because I'll tell you, I was you know, messaging with somebody else. Um, Kentucky probably is undefeated and probably is the best team in the country and probably would be the favorite to win the national title if they had James Wiseman. Uh, because if you had him playing alongside Nick Richards right now, that would um, solve your EJ Keon. Yeah, I mean, the, what you just Whitney. go to those, you just say to yeah. those guys, when one of you's ready to play, that's fine. You can have some minutes, but in the meantime, we don't need you. Yeah. Um, you know, and if he and, and if Wiseman comes to Kentucky, even after what Penny did, paying for his moving expenses in high school, he's eligible. Right. As I would understand it, because. Penny was not a booster. Right. And didn't pay for his money. Yeah. Right. Penny, anything. Penny, you would have said, well, somebody else's booster paid for you to move in high school. Well, that's not our problem. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so they were a thorn in Kentucky side for this year. And a pretty big one because it would have made a huge difference to have the number one overall prospect in a, in a position that they have a need. Um, but going forward, is Memphis really going to be a pain in Kentucky side? I don't know. I mean, this season has really it has the potential to really torpedo the whole Penny Hardaway experiment, I think. And, yeah, there's no uh, tonight reason Tonight was for, tonight was bad. And there's no reason for Kentucky to ever put Memphis on the schedule. All you would be doing is is helping them. I know it would be, you know, sounds great that John Calipari playing Memphis and it's got Penny Hardaway there and his, you know, his, his rival in recruiting and uh, so it makes for a good story, but all it would do it would help Memphis if if they, you know, were to beat Kentucky at any point. In, in any series that they started playing. Yeah, I'm looking at the top 38 recruits, 247s, top 38 players in the class of 2020. And it looks like there are two left who are on the market, three. And only one of them is considering Memphis. That's Jalen Green, and I think he ends up going pro. He keeps telling people he's not, but I, I think he ends up overseas as a pro. But let's say that even they get him. That's one dude. That's one top 40 guy. <laughs> There's nobody else available in the top 40. Um, so it's interesting. Very, very interesting. This has definitely not been what everybody thought was going to happen in Memphis. No. Um, Louisville nearly lost to a, a eight-win Georgia Tech, a 10-loss, eight-and-ten Georgia Tech team before uh, tonight's game. Georgia Tech led almost the whole game. And in the last five minutes, Louisville – 
uh, took over and built uh, an 11-point lead, and then Louisville squandered that away. And with like a minute left, Georgia Tech was within one. Uh, but Louisville held on to win 68-64 uh, to go to 7-1 and one in the ACC. Um, that's really about the only other interesting, like, top 25 game. Auburn took care of South Carolina 80-67. to 67. Uh, Elsewhere in the SEC, uh, we I, I saw that Alabama and Vanderbilt were on, and I said, there's no way I'm watching that. I, I like to watch SEC basketball, but there's no way I'm turning into that. Uh, Vanderbilt's awful. I don't know how they're going to recover from losing Neesmith, but because they haven't, and Jerry Stackhouse in his first year. I mean, they have lost. This is their 23rd consecutive regular season conference loss. That's a new record. Uh, for uh, Yeah, I believe that's a new record for most consecutive conference losses. And they have, if you count the tournament, I think it's like 20, 25 in a row and like 29 out of 30. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's bad. really well, really bad there. And 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 worse tonight. I don't know if you saw even saw this. We didn't talk about it before we started recording. But did you see Jerry Stackhouse's statement he put out about the end of the three point streak? I did not. No. Okay, I'm just gonna read it. It's it's really pathetic. It's pathetic that he felt like compelled to write it, and then just sort of the the message of it is. A very disappointing uh, take on the state of Vanderbilt's program. So, as you know, I think we might have mentioned this on the podcast. They're they're streaked thirty four years in like eighteen hundred games or something in a row of one thousand eighty games. Okay, one thousand eighty. One thousand eighty games. Yeah, thirty four years of making a three pointer in in a game. And you know, obviously, Kentucky had that streak before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, it was Kentucky's streak until Vander until. It broke and then it became Vanderbilt's, correct? I, I think, think Kentucky so, had the yeah. longest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Kentucky fans know about a, such a streak because they used to cheer for one when it would get close, and it, you know they flirted with it what two years ago and over and over and over again until they finally did snap the streak. And honestly, there wasn't a whole lot made of it because it happened in an NCAA tournament win. It happened in the sec uh, first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, and they won the game, and so I, I don't was, think was it against Wofford Davidson that, uh, Davidson in yeah. Boise, um, and so I don't think many people made a big deal about it um, once it finally happened. But the the Vanderbilt thing was crazy because as it got down towards the end, they were getting blown out. I think by Tennessee, their rival. They were at home. Yes, they were. They were getting <laughs> yeah. blown out. And the fans started realizing the streak was in jeopardy, and yeah. and the players just were like getting what they could get. They were driving and making layups. It was like three or four in a row. They made layups. They made shots, and the crowd was booing uh, the, right. the players for making shots. And finally, everybody figured it out, and I think Stackhouse finally figured it out. And for the last couple of minutes, they frantically tried to get threes, and they couldn't make one, and the streak ended. They went 0 for 25. <laughs> Um, yeah, 0 for 10, I think, in the first half and 0 for 15 yeah. in the second half. And so so here, and we can go to break after this, but here is uh, here's what – well, you may save it till after the break. Yeah, because I, I didn't I think realize we had here. gone as long yeah. as we had gone. Yeah, we, we always talk too much. We'll, I'll read you around. Jerry Stackhouse's pathetic letter to fans after this. Yeah, plus um, Walter McCarty and some U.K. football when Locked on Kentucky podcast continues. You are Locked On Kentucky, 
your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Okay, we're back on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and we just closed with Vanderbilt's uh, you know three point streak ending thirty four years in a row, one thousand and eighty games that they had hit a three pointer, and they went zero for twenty five and a bad loss to Tennessee, and they were frantically trying to. I mean, they even missed one at the buzzer. Uh, yeah. Trying to make the and and students were like crying on each other in this. Yeah, yeah, it was really bizarre. So we so, ran highlights of it on TV on Sunday night, and most of it was nothing but shots from the crowd. Oh, like, it was pitiful. shots of the crowd of just all the reactions of. It's this is all we have to hold yeah. on to for yeah. Vanderbilt I mean, basketball. When you, this when is you've lost all we many, got. When you lost that many in a row, so this was this was the letter that Stackhouse posted on social media. Commodore Nation, last Saturday's game against Tennessee was a disappointing one. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> we not only lost at home to our – this is like so – everything about this is just like mind-boggling. We not only lost at home to our biggest rival, but we went 0 for 25 from 3, <laughs> therefore ending the 34-year streak of consecutive threes. As a former college basketball player that was coached by the legendary Dean Smith, I thoroughly understand the importance of basketball tradition history, and legacy, and was saddened to watch a piece of Vanderbilt tradition end during my tenure. I was also equally saddened to hear the boos that came after made <laughs> shots by our young student-athletes. As a coach, I pride myself in teaching these young men the right way to play basketball, and although they were encouraged to take threes at the end of the game and plays were drawn up for three-point attempts, I can find no fault in our players making the right play by giving by giving, uh, he meant to say taking what the defense gave them, whether that be a dunk or a layup. The last three minutes of the game, while we were down by 20 and Tennessee began to empty their bench, our starters and best shooters remained in the game and continued to press (laughs) on defense in hopes of creating a turnover and possibly another three-point opportunity to preserve the streak. Unfortunately, they just could not fall. Commodore Nation, as we mourn the end of the three-point streak, I encourage everyone to support our team as we work to break an SEC losing streak and continue to build the foundation for our program that will ultimately create new traditions and a winning legacy. Jerry Stackhouse. That is pathetic. All the way around. I mean, like... The, every every sentence of that statement, for oh, one reason or another, is just an embarrassment. It just reminds you of how bad your program is. It's yes, just I mean a it's like, send that to the recruits. I mean, if I was <laughs> if, if I was recruiting against Vanderbilt, I would print that on the finest paper I could find, like glossy <laughs> paper, and mail it to the yeah. recruits just as is, with no other like. So you want to anchor down. Yeah, well, they're anchored. <laughs> they are anchored in the down, lake of crap. One of those things just, just uh, better left unsaid there, Stack. That's, um, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, he probably should have thought better of this, but also it's just sad, a sad state of the fans, the fan base, the program, that he felt like he had to write something like this. Yeah. I mean, everything about it I thought was, was super depressing. Well, um, speaking of depressing, Walter McCarty. Well, one more thing on the SEC before we move on from the Southeastern Conference. Mississippi State uh, beat Arkansas tonight, 77-70. to um, And Miss State got off to a rough start in conference play. I mean, they started with Auburn. They lost that game. Uh, fought hard. Played a tough game. I watched that one. That was at home. Uh, and then they went to Alabama and lost. And then went to LSU and lost by one. 
and then have since come back and beaten Missouri, Georgia, and now Arkansas. All Blew out two of those. Yeah, all those at the hump, by the way, at home. But I think they've got a decent-looking team. They put up um, some, I don't know, percentages of teams from the SEC, uh, likelihood that they would make the uh, NCAA tournament. And it was, you know, Kentucky, Auburn, Florida, LSU, and... Arkansas. Arkansas. Those five. And they said everyone else, not a shot. Like... Everyone yeah. else's percentages were like below thirty. Mississippi State could get in the mix. I think. I think Mississippi State is the the one, the other one that's in there that could, could push its way. Like Ole Miss, it ain't happening. It's not happening for Vandy. Um, you know, Tennessee would have to turn it around quite a bit. I don't see it out of Georgia or Missouri. Maybe Alabama if they get hot. But I think those are your candidates: Alabama, Mississippi State, and possibly Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee's Not, actually 50th in the Ken Palm. Mississippi State's 41st now. Um, yeah. I, I was surprised that they struggled as much as they did because they got they brought back a pro. I mean, Reggie Perry you know, entered the draft and decided to come back, um, and he's a really good player. He had 26 points and 13 rebounds tonight, a couple blocks. Um, he's a 14 of 15, I think, from the free throw line. I think he leads the SEC with 11 double-doubles. Uh, looks like three consecutive games of 20 and 10 for him. Um, you know, he's he's a real player, and they've got a couple other legitimate players. So that'll be a challenge for Kentucky. The, the good news for Kentucky is a lot of years they go a, a home and away with Mississippi State. Their only game against Mississippi State this year is February 4th, a Tuesday, uh, at home against Mississippi State. They do not have to travel yeah, to Star- Starkville. Yeah. A win for all of us. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we can move into uh, poor Walter McCarty. Uh, so, of course, I don't know about poor Walter McCarty. Yeah, well, he got fired um, yesterday, which is what? Oh, I guess he got fired on Tuesday. Yeah, yes, he got, he got, he got I fired. I think it was like right Tuesday. before the game or, or That's right. around the time of the game starting for Kentucky. And so there was an allegation of sexual misconduct against him and uh, a violation of the university's Title IX policy. That was the allegation that was made against him. And when that came out, the university said, all right, we'll, we'll do an investigation. We're going to hire a uh, private firm to independently investigate this and bring back um, you know, the, the results. Well, they didn't complete the investigation. The firm that they hired uh, is the same firm that wrote the university's Title IX policy, um, so already McCarty feels like uh, that's not as independent and unbiased as, as he would prefer, I guess. And then um, more allegations of sexual misconduct showed up. That's what ultimately the university said. It said, well, more people came forward. And then we were like, that's it. We're just, yeah. we're, that, we, we, that was enough. We don't need to complete the investigation. We got enough right here to fire him. Yeah. So they did. Three hours after they fired McCarty, Todd Licklider was signed to a multi-year contract as the new head coach at Evansville, three hours after firing McCarty. Of course, McCarty had been on leave. Um, so Licklider had been an assistant there and stepped away at Evansville the, the year prior. And I guess he stepped away for health reasons or something, and now he's back. But McCarty's attorney uh, sent a letter to the Evansville Courier and Press and... Basically, 
saying McCarty was shocked by the decision, expresses his apology for any negative impact. Um, he wants to be clear to the community uh, that he did not engage in any sexual misconduct or violate the Title IX policy. Uh, he said, uh, the attorney said the university's press release was self-serving, misleading, and inaccurate. Um, they put quotation marks around independent investigation. Uh, we're told that things would be fair and informed, again, quotes, uh, saying this did not happen. And so they didn't give McCarty a chance to defend himself and say that Walter was treated fairly or impartially uh, is, inac is not accurate. And so they're saying it was an unfair rush to judgment. And Well, I'm sure the guy wants to get some of his money back. He ain't getting his job back. Right. Um, and so I, it just says there's a suit coming. There is a lawsuit in the yep. works. And, uh, yes, I would say part of it is to get some uh, Yeah. I, if, I'm, if I'm the guy who, like, several people, several young women have come forward and, and made allegations, I might just slink off into anonymity for a couple of years and, and get myself together. But, uh, you know, whatever Walter wants to do is up to him. Uh I, the thing I would say about this whole situation is what a crazy swing from November 12th winning in Rupp Arena. Stunning. Mm -hmm. Then number one Kentucky, right? Kentucky had climbed to number yes. one after beating Michigan State. Yes. So it wasn't just Kentucky. It was number one ranked Kentucky. A day. Um, Kentucky had a day to bask in the glory of being number one. And to do that against your alma mater at Rupp Arena when no one saw it coming. and I mean, because Evansville had been terrible the year before. They had gone, under McCarty, they had gone 11-21. and 21. So there was no sign that this was going to happen. And then they stunned Kentucky. They really kind of led throughout the game. It wasn't fluky at all. No. And I was there. I wrote a story about it. I, I followed him into the locker room and watched them give him a Gatorade shower. And, you know, he gives us – great speech about how this is just the beginning and you know we're about to do even bigger things then they which they, they haven't they lose three in a row starting the next week and they have now lost seven in a row since then and are nine and eleven evansville is nine and eleven and ranked 286th in the ken pomeroy rankings mm -hmm. um and they were already on the skids before uh, before McCarty got suspended. So this is not, oh, he got suspended, so now they can't win. Like, they, they just aren't very good. They, the, it's, it actually defies logic that they beat Kentucky right. uh, at Rupp Arena. But just the idea that he went from starting the season with a win in Rupp Arena where he, at a place where he's got a national championship banner or a team that he was on hanging. Um. The, and coaching the, his hometown school, by the way. He is right, from Evansville. Right, and that's the other piece. Of, so he's coaching where he grew up, and that town just went bonkers for him, uh, celebrating that for him. So coaching the team from the town he grew up in against the team he played college basketball for. Tony Delk was in the building. His former teammate was in the building that night, and they had this huge hug, and there was all this pride. And, and to go from that to fired in total disgrace – um, in the span of three months, mm -hmm. not even two months, two months and ten days. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's really, it's really hard to believe they lost tonight. Actually, 
uh, as we record this on Wednesday night. Yeah, and the new they coach lost, lost uh, his they, debut. They lost by 23 to Drake. Yeah. And, yeah, also for McCarty, this uh, – I mean, this is going to stick with him. Unless the school comes out and says, um, yeah, we did make a mistake. We have completed our investigation. And, yeah. And uh, everything is completely baseless. Unless they do that. Anything short of total exoneration, which seems highly unlikely. Yeah, that's not um, yeah, he, he'll never coach again, I don't think. Uh, I don't know how you – certainly not in a college setting. You um, would have to go back to the NBA. And go, kind of start all staff. over at the bottom yeah. in the NBA, and he'd have to mm-hmm. go on a forgiveness tour. You know, I, this is what I've learned. I just don't see it. I think this probably was the end of his career. Yeah, um, it could be. Stuff like this and in this climate, you know, yeah. like the way uh, everything has shifted – and and mm-hmm. by the way, I, I don't mean to say that with like any sort of hint of derision. Like it's good that that powerful men are afraid to cross the line with women, or, or increasingly <laughs> afraid right. to do so. Everyone should be afraid to do that. Uh, you shouldn't have to be afraid to not do it. But if there are people out there inclined to do it, it's good that they're scared. Um, There's but no in more this, tolerance for it, right? And in this climate, to have something like that attached to your name, uh, you should be. You should worry that you're never going to coach again and uh, so, so it's it is sad in a way i'm like i don't feel sorry for walter mccarty assuming that this stuff happened uh but it's sad for someone to to have their uh, to go from what like was almost a career pinnacle <laughs> to yeah. uh to this so all right on that note we'll take a break because we've got some uk football stuff to uh talk about we did we didn't we didn't want to close with the walter mccarty stuff so we got Good UK football stuff coming up next here on the Locked on Kentucky podcast. This is Locked on Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here to wrap things up on the Locked on Kentucky podcast. And uh, just a few things. There were a lot of football recruits at the Kentucky basketball game against Georgia. Uh, several big name recruits from within the state. Uh, there was a picture of Vince Merrow with uh, several of them. And then, you know, uh, Players like I think Calvin Taylor and Cash Daniel came out during the game with the Belk Bowl trophy uh, to kind of show those recruits the kind of support that the team has. Uh, on top of that, you've got former UK players Josh Allen, Zadarius Smith, and Larry Warford being all three named to the Pro Bowl this week, which is the first time since 1981 that three former Wildcats have been named to the Pro Bowl in the same season. Uh, so that was big. So that was uh, the first part of the week, Monday, Tuesday. Now into Wednesday, Phil Hoskins announces that he has been given a he's been given the the waiver. He's been granted his waiver for a sixth season of eligibility uh, to play. So Phil Hoskins will be back, adding to a defensive line that already has Quentin Bohanna coming back, Josh Pascal, Marquan McCall, Cordell Looney, uh, um. Uh, Abule Abadi Fitzgerald, those guys have all played a ton. Those guys have played a ton. Yeah. Then you got some guys that were able to play some last year, like Davon Hawkins, uh, Kavon Butler, Quay Mahone, uh, Colin Hartman. You got Justin Rogers coming in. They're going to be as deep as they have been the last two, three years on the defensive line, uh, and maybe even more talented than they have been on the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, this should be – I don't know that they have like a, you know, a guy that's going to have 
17 sacks coming off the edge or anything, but I just think, especially in the interior interior defensive line, they're just loaded. Yeah. And uh, we've talked a bunch about that. That's This is where they've upgraded on the two lines. Uh, and this defensive line, getting Hoskins was a really big deal because, I mean, even if he's not a starter, uh, which he could be, that the fact that you have a guy with that much experience and he's a big, strong kid, like mm-hmm. coming back for a sixth year of college football as a – another piece when you already felt good about your line uh, I think that's a big deal and then with the recruiting uh, the the interesting thing Vince Merrow you mentioned the photo Vince Merrow posed uh, posted or he didn't post it but he posed for a photo and somebody else posted it of all the bunch of recruits there uh, Jaeger Burton or is that how you say Jagger Jagger, Jagger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burton the uh, I think he's like a top 10 offensive lineman mm-hmm. uh, in in the country top 150 player uh, in the 2021 class from Frederick Douglass here in Lexington uh, and had some of his teammates with him, a quarterback, Josh McClung or McClurg, McClurg. uh, Dane Key, who uh, just got an offer from Oregon today, Dekeel or Dekel. I don't know how you know, you probably know how to say all these guys. Dekel. Uh, Crowdis, wide receiver. He's a top to, 200 player in the 2021 class. Uh, he was got a Michigan offer and went down to IMG Academy last season, and then now he's back and going to play in Lexington because wow. he was homesick. So there's so like there's some sick, major talent you know? like playing right here in Lexington this season. Uh, those guys I, you mentioned have offers like the Jagger Burton. Clemson wants him. That's everybody. Yeah, everybody. Um, Michigan wants Dakel Crowdis. Oregon wants Dane Key. Dane Key's dad, Dante, played at Kentucky. Oh, yeah. So, I thought that sounded uh, sort of familiar. And then they were hosted by Octavius Oxendine, the all-name team of all time, four-star right. defensive lineman who picked uh, Kentucky on signing day this year. Uh, and a couple of his teammates from North Harden were there, Jordan Lovett and Lavelle Wright. Um, so they had, a, they had a bunch of, like, I think I saw somebody say it was like half the top eight players in the state of uh, mm-hmm. Kentucky for 2021 were in that photo with Vince Merrill. And the other notable thing about that is this same sort of junior day uh, visit that they hosted at a Kentucky basketball game last year, there was a photo of Vince Merrill and the recruits were, uh, let's see, they were uh, Bo, Bo Allen, Allen, Vito Tisdale, John Young, and Isaiah Cummings. And those guys all picked Kentucky. Um you know, to to put together a really great in-state class um, in 2019 or 20, the 2020 class, sorry. Yeah, right. So this event, this Junior Day event that they've had at Rep Arena last year was very successful. It looks like they're off to a really good start this, you know, this uh, coming year. One of the things about loading up the way they did and basically being done with their recruiting class in the early period before the February signing day, I think they have like one more guy thereafter uh, in the 2020 class, is that you can do this, that you can yeah. really intensely focus on the next group. And so now you're ahead of the game. I think, you know, you talk about in games, stay ahead of the chains. In recruiting, if you can, if you can be in great shape with your current class early – then and you get a jump on the next class, and you just keep doing that year after year. You're you're sort of out hustling the competition on these guys, and and I think that's especially valuable in state when you got a bunch of stud players in in your backyard that everybody oh, yeah. else is going to come try to poach. Yeah. If you can get your hooks in them early, I think it, it it works out really well. No doubt about it. Last thing on UK football, um, it was revealed that uh, raises were given to 
Uh, Eddie Grand, he signed a, an extension back in December, uh, along with Brad White, the defensive coordinator, uh, defensive backs coach Steve Klingscale, and linebackers coach and big-time recruiter uh, John Sumrall. Those guys all received extensions. Uh, basically, all of them, I think it takes them through 2022, something like that. But uh, the big thing to me is it said, you know, Eddie Grand, he had just signed an extension. Like, this was an extension following an extension. Like, just last year he signed one. Yeah, well, Remember when you Georgia keep cranking, breaking records and producing yeah. stars, uh, no matter what, what you got back there to work with, I guess that's what happens. Uh, but, I, I mean, this tells me that Mark Stoops went in there and said, hey, look, you see that we got eight wins this year when it didn't look like there's any way we could have, should have gotten those eight wins. We got ten wins for you last year. You want this thing to keep rolling. I need Eddie Grand to stay. I need uh, Brad White to stay. Uh, I need Steve Klinkscale to stay. I need John Summerall to stick around here. I need these guys uh, to be with us here. I need my core. I need to keep this continuity. I, I don't think there's any doubt uh, that Mark Stoops really is high on Brad White. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he was, you know, DJ Elliott was kind of, uh, we talked about this before, I think kind of a son to him in a yes. way. That was, uh, that was a hard one because he knew, I think he knew DJ was probably not the right guy, yeah. but he, he didn't know how to let him go. <laughs> and so then he just let him go look for another job and it's worked out fine for DJ. And I don't know, uh, that Matt house was necessarily, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't. I, don't know. I think I don't, he was good. I think they worked good. Uh, worked well together. But I think Brad White is like Brad his White's guy. Another, it's like yeah. his guy. Another um, thing. Yeah, his guy. Yeah, you, you put it well. And what he was able to do with Josh Allen, I think, said something to him. And when you hear Brad talk, uh, just you know his his knowledge of it. And um, yeah, I think Mark and Brad are like on the same page with so much stuff that he is really high on him and and wanted to make sure that he's here. Yes, uh, I'm. I'm totally switching gears on you, but we were talking about this before we started recording, and the the Zion, much anticipated Zion Williamson NBA debut is happening, oh, yeah. and yeah. we were both going, hey, he doesn't look like he's in great shape, and he doesn't look great so far. Had five turnovers, I think, mostly early. Well, just to update you, Zion, there's five minutes to go in the game. It's a three point game against the Spurs. Zion has played 18 minutes and scored 22 points. Good grief. <laughs> With 7 rebounds, 3 assists. He's 8 of 11 from the field and 4 of 4 from 3. Uh, welcome well, to the see, NBA, Zion. <laughs> well, I was sitting there watching it, nodding off and I'm like, "Oh, we need to do this podcast. I'm not going to I'm not going to try to watch this game. I'm going to go do this podcast." And now you know, missed uh, something spectacular there. Well, you know, it's still on that channel in the other room, and I'll just—I got DVR. I can just rewind it back, and I'll—I'll I'll watch a little bit of that. Yeah, it seems—it seems like probably all in the last ten minutes he's done, you know, or twenty minutes he's done all this damage because he hadn't done hardly a thing the last time I looked. This is right. impressive. Well, we've done all the damage we need to do for uh, today. Another uh, lengthy podcast. I mean, I hope you guys like. I mean. Hey, if if you're here at this, if you're to the you know twenty eight minute mark, what's five more minutes, right? Um, so we got one more this week for you, which will be uh, a preview of the Texas Tech game. Kentucky goes down there Saturday uh, as part of the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. The Red Raiders fifteen and one, I believe, at home this season. Only loss came to current number one ranked team Baylor. It's the only uh, Red Raider only loss in Lubbock for the Red Raiders. So we'll discuss that game in a little bit more in detail and preview that on. 
the next Locked On Kentucky podcast. Follow us on Twitter. I am at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. You are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry. I won't finish. You get the idea.